Hey, welcome to the special, uber awesome, amazing, amazing, amazing 25th episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. Thank you so much for riding with me all this time if you've listened to me from the jump. And if this is your first time listening to this show, Thank you for coming and joining the ride, and I hope I can give you your chill, positive, and passionate wrestling vibes here at Hardy Wrestling. So on this show, I'm going to give you a specially, an especially packed news and gossip-ish, and I'm also going to give you a special interview with Reality of Wrestling star and my very first female guest, Promise Braxton, and I've got your weekly recap of all your favorite shows from Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So sit back, relax, and listen to this 25th episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Okay, so I got your regular news and gossipish here. There's a lot of stuff going on in wrestling. Some of it good, some of it bad, and some of it sad. But we're going to get through it all and, you know, just push on through, okay? (laughs) So, first on the docket, we have Miro, who's formerly known as Rusev in WWE, who made his AEW debut Wednesday night. So, after being released by WWE surprisingly due to COVID-19 budget cuts and also building a following on Twitch and um, insinuating his retirement from professional wrestling, Miro made his AEW debut as Kip Sabian's best man to his wedding to Penelope Ford. Now, I've been sort of watching AEW, you know, off and on, so I really didn't see it Wednesday night, you know, when he did make his debut. I kind of saw it online after it happened, but I thought that it was really cool that, you know, he was able to get on this other promotion because there was always so much talk of how much talent Rusev had or Miro had um, in terms of wrestling and how there are a lot of fans who feel like WWE did not really cut him a fair shot in sort of going for what they feel like he should have gone for which could have been the WWE title or the universal title at some point but he had always won sort of like the secondary titles like the United States title or the Intercontinental title and the last major feud he was in in WWE really had to do with Lana and Bobby Lashley which was kind of a train wreck um in the greatest sense of the word it was a train wreck and then after that you know we just didn't really see him on tv that much anymore and then he you know got let go so now he's in AEW and here's hoping that he can actually do more and do better there but the thing that I'm finding the most irritating about um whenever former superstars from WWE leave there and then go to AEW is the fact they all sort of cut this um by the numbers I wasn't happy over there so now I'm over here promo and that is something that Miro did do and it felt like every time there's someone with the exception of a few wrestlers maybe who it's like every time any WWE former WWE superstar leaves there and then goes to AEW it's almost like the popular thing to do is to shoot on WWE and talk about how they felt like they were done wrong over there and how they felt like well now that I'm over here I'm actually going to do better because they're actually going to give me the chance and all the above and even though this company may just very well give you a chance to rise and all the above which I certainly hope they do do in such a um, positive way it's just I almost feel like 
it's almost becoming a little bit more redundant to have these people say all this stuff and diss WWE over and over again just for the sake of a pop or something or just for the sake of attention. Like, you know, we get that you weren't happy as as much, you know, or whatever. But at the same point in rate, don't just come off as some bitter barb now that you've moved on to something that you feel like is greater for you. I just feel like once you've moved on to that new thing, you should just focus on that new thing and don't just focus so much on the old. But, you know, I'm just a wrestling fan. So what do I know? <laughs> um, also in the docket in terms of AEW, you had Matt Hardy sort of discussing what is going to was what's happening with him and his health um as you may or may not know a few weeks ago AEW had their pay-per-view called all out and he was in a match with Sammy Guevara and he took a really really nasty spill where Sammy Guevara speared him and then he landed on the concrete you know in the in the back of his head hit the back of the hit the concrete and it looked like he was out for like maybe a couple seconds before he finally came to and they were contemplating stopping the match after that point well as that happened um there's been an update on his health from tony khan who is the ceo of aw who said that um, Matt was okay and then they sent him to the hospital as a precaution and he passed the MRI and CT scans and he doesn't have a concussion and he's being driven home right now. Matt will be on Dynamite Wednesday night to thank you amazing fans for your support, which he was on there on Wednesday. And it was good to see him, but honestly, you know, I really would have liked it if he just had, you know, more rest and just wasn't rushing to be back on television. But he's a hardy, so, you know, we're hard. We like to, you know, push through our um problems and still show up and do what we came there to do that's what hardy's do so um i'm glad he's okay but um that fall was very very nasty so here's hoping that he's able to recover and, and come back stronger than ever hardy gang hardy gang um also in the news we have the unfortunate passing of stevie lee richardson aka puppet the psycho dwarf from tna and half pint brawlers um, that news was shared on Facebook Wednesday and friends of the wrestler have since put together a GoFundMe to help with the funeral arrangements. Jim Richardson, his brother, is in charge of the final arrangements and they are trying to reach a goal of $5,000. And as of, I believe, Thursday, they had reached they had reached about $200 and the name of the GoFundMe is called Laying Puppet to Rest. You know, and if you have it on your heart to give, you know, please go on GoFundMe and give to that and, um, you know, help that family out because paying for funerals is just not an easy thing, you know, especially if you're not prepared for that loss. And just so you have some context of what um, the Psycho Dwarf did, he wrestled Tom Arnold once during an event done in collaboration with Fox Sports Net and TNA and he famously pulled a gun on Jeff Jarrett in Storyline and had acting roles in Oz the Great and Powerful and American Horror Story so we wish um that Richardson family the very best and you know pray that they can heal from this difficult time also in um, more sadder news Barry Scott who was the voice of Impact Wrestling passed away as well um, and he was um, a staple in Impact Wrestling and Impact actually released a statement saying 
quote that we are deeply saddened to learn of the passing of Barry Scott. For years, Barry was the iconic voice of TNA wrestling, lending us gravitas and credibility. He will be dearly missed. And in this Twitter thread that they posted, you know, they posted a couple of his features um, dating back to even 2005, where um, he did the intro to the October 1st, 2005 episode of Impact, which is the first episode on Spike TV. The intro to Bound for Glory 2005, the intro to TNA on Access TV special, the intro to Slammiversary in 2012 and 2018, and his final appearance on Impact earlier this year was um, in which he did the personal introduction for the at the Moose Nation. So we wish his family the very best in that situation as well and pray that they get all the healing that they need from and the comfort that they can get from this um troubling time also to switch gears in the news gerald briscoe who is a wwe hall of famer says that vince mcmahon released him on twitter now he was furloughed in april due to cuts from the pandemic um but he stated on twitter that he had actually been that he had actually received a call from the chairman of the board Vincent Mann to let him know that after 36 years of dedication that he's no longer needed but he said that he was okay with it and he'll still be around to help talent and more information will follow now if you may or may not know Gerald Briscoe is like an OG in the wrestling game like he him and his brother um, started wrestling in 1969 at the age of 23, um, Jack Briscoe, and they won tag team gold together in several promotions, including Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling, and Championship Wrestling from Florida. And he is best known to current fans for his on-screen role during the Attitude Era, um, along with Pat Patterson, who was also a Hall of Famer and inaugural Intercontinental Champion. He was one of vince mcmahon's stooges during the attitude era and despite being over 50 years old at that time briscoe often took a lot of beatings at the hands of wwe's top superstars including stone cold steve austin to protect his boss and he's even won the hardcore championship twice and the last thing he the last time he was ever on television was july of last year when he won the 24 7 title so even as he has been let go we still wish him the best and also in terms of furloughed superstars one superstar who was actually able to return was josiah williams aka wrestle and flow he's that rapper <laughs> from nxt if you pay any attention or if you watched an nxt takeover in which adam cole made one of his great entrances he actually rapped rapped a version of adam cole's theme song um for that match and he got furloughed you know along with everyone else with the budget cuts but he actually made his grand return on instagram and posted a picture and i was so glad to see it he had returned because he is an all-around good guy um he definitely posts lots of stuff that's faith-based you know he posts different twitter threads where he's actually you know sometimes praying for people if you subscribe to that level of faith and he's also just an amazing astounding rapper is like because he got he got the attention of wwe man management 
when he was always rapping his own original verses over theme songs of different wrestlers like Samoa Joe, Keith Lee, and even his own original songs, you know, involving Black Pride. So it was so good to see him um, make his grand return to um, NXT and here's hoping he gets to do more. I'm I'm predicting that one day he'll he'll rap at WrestleMania. That'll be fire. <laughs> so that's gonna be cool. Also on the wrestling docket, NXT UK is starting its relaunch process. So basically next week's new episode um is going to involve them is going to involve them sort of starting this whole relaunch campaign so it's been announced that piper niven is going to challenge kaylee ray for the nxt uk women's championship on september 24th and it was also announced that nxt uk tag team champions wolfgang and mark coffee of gallus will defend their titles against kitty williams and amir jordan so as they're basically rebuilding their um brand in light of all of the stuff that went down with the speaking out movement i just hope that everything is able to go forth and wwe also is rumored to have purchased the rights to use um the heritage cup name to possibly start a tournament with the nxc uk show so that's going to be interesting and i'm pretty sure they're going to announce a whole lot more involving that um process so that's going to be cool as well so that's really all i got <laughs> in news and gossipish. so now we're gonna go to um my special interview with my first female guest and reality of wrestling star promise braxton how are you ma'am i am well i am well how are you i'm doing good i can't complain so, I'm really happy that you're on my show. I just thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's always a pleasure, never a chore. Oh, wow. That's really <laughs> deep. I like that a lot. You can't steal it. You can't steal it. <laughs> oh, no. I won't steal it. I promise. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to start this interview by asking... Um, the question I ask everyone is, when did you fall in love with wrestling? Uh, it's something that uh, I used to watch a lot when I was a kid with my dad. Uh, I was a daddy girl. I, uh, my older sister would go with my mom, and I would want to stay with my dad. And We used to watch boxing, MMA, wrestling, and football, all types of sports together. And wrestling was just something that uh, I took to because it was only the one, it was one of the few things I could actually do towards him. Like I used to give him all types of wrestling moves and stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just started from just watching it with my father, then later with my grandfather. And it, it first started as just, you know, something that I liked, and then it became an obsession, then it became my livelihood. Wow, you know, that's so funny because that's kind of how I started watching wrestling. Really? It was, yeah, it was me and my father, except I was never really mimicking a whole lot of the moves or nothing like that because I was, I'm kind of like the girly girl. So <laughs> I really never did anything like that, but I loved watching it simply because it was just so entertaining. And we just sort of bonded that way. 
Seriously, I definitely, I definitely understand that. Yeah. So, what exactly made you want to pursue it as a career? I think it's what I was supposed to do. Uh, I didn't want to go to college. I never really set my heart on anything else, really. Like, I know that, you know, real life speaking, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. But if I got 10 eggs, I definitely put around eight in wrestling basket. So, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> so I knew it's, it's something I always knew I wanted to do. I, I don't, I never really seen myself never see myself clocking in and clocking out for the rest of my life I, I know I needed something clear I needed to express myself um inspire people and just do it that way versus you know taking the stereotypical route going to college and stuff not saying that that's a bad way I just knew it wasn't for me okay so what was learning the ropes like and who trained you and do you ever find time to practice too yes all the time uh my first trainer was a man named brandon k and crusher hansen some of the most some of the greatest men i've ever met uh it wasn't that hard but it was hard because it's a whole bunch of uh step one step two step three don't put it all together and it, that kind of confused me a lot. But, um, yeah, any professional wrestler should continue the training no matter what. No matter where you are. You know, WWE, reality wrestling, some promotion out in Oklahoma. Everyone should practice their craft if they want to get better. That's what I do. Okay. So, how has the culture of independent wrestling treated you, like, even with fans or just with working with certain people? You know, how has it, you know, treated you so far? Um, I have no complaints about it. Uh, You definitely have to have thick skin in this business. You can't walk around and take everything personal. There's always going to be those people that try to bring you down, but there's more people that are always going to try to bring you up. Especially my experience um, from wrestling in Pittsburgh I had people like Lee Moriarty Duke Davis Christian Noir Jocelyn Navarro Megan Myers you know always on my team and then I come here and it's the same thing I got people like Danny B Warren Johnson uh AQA uh Rachel Rose you know it's just it's nothing but love people have their own experiences but uh I try to be cordial with everybody. Um, same with the fans. I never really had any issues with fans or with promoters. Um, I try to be very respectful in this business because at the end of the day, it's it's fun, it's entertaining, but it is a business. So I try to respect it that way. See, it's good to hear that you've actually built a family um, out of that because it's good to not go through you know life and anything that new alone. So it's good to hear that you've built a community around it that's, you know, supporting you and letting you know, you know, when you're doing when you're doing your very best. So that's good to hear. Um, I want to ask you if it's harder on women who want to pursue um, wrestling in the independent circuit. If so, would you mind sharing any stories? Um, I guess it just depends on who, you know, the woman is. You know, I've seen girls who wrestled for two years and blown up and I've seen girls who put on the independent scene for 
10 years and finally get an opportunity. So I think it just all depends on who you are and what you're really around, you know? Like me personally, I knew I had to make the move to Texas if I wanted to get somewhere. I mean, I think I would have been okay in Pittsburgh, but I felt like I was stagnant. And you know, some some of those, some of that is okay with certain people, but I knew that I have more potential and I can do more. But uh, I think it just depends on the woman. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities for women right now. Uh, it's not like it was 10 years ago. So I think if any woman wants the opportunity to be a wrestler, you know, you guys gotta buckle down, figure out what you want and how you want it, then take it. Well said. So seeing as the pandemic has affected everyone to a certain degree um, all over the world for this entire year, I have spoken to um, other independent wrestlers who've said that it sort of affected them in some ways. So how has the pandemic affected you and how have you coped with it? I mean, yeah, the pandemic is definitely an unfortunate event for all of us. Uh, I had certain things I wanted to do, but um, I know that it's it's not going to happen. It's just not right now. So I don't I don't look at opportunities that don't come for me, like that don't uh, go through right away and think of it as a total loss. I think of it as maybe if it the pandemic didn't happen and I did this trial or I, or I did this seminar or I reached out to this promotion, then something bad would have happened. So, um, you know, I've, I've been blessed to be a part of reality of wrestling and the matches that I've had during the pandemic have been very awesome. So I don't look at this pandemic as a loss. Um, it's definitely a, a, a reevaluating my uh, my plan, I guess. You just got to switch it up a little bit. You don't have to change it up. You know, getting better in shape, uh, working on my cardio, studying matches. I'm not going to look at it as, you know, oh my God, this could have happened. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's, it's not that. It's it's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. So I'm going to stick to my plan and it's going to happen eventually. That's a good way to look at it. Now, yeah. <laughs> That's an amazingly, you know, positive way to look at it because a lot of people, you know, kind of feel like, oh, just throw this whole year away. So, <laughs> I mean, so. definitely throw the year away. Definitely throw the whole year away. But uh, <laughs> it's not for wrestling reasons. You know, a lot of uh, unfortunate things happen to a lot of good people. Kobe Bryant, Gigi, Chadwick. Uh, yeah. You know, just uh, disasters. Just bad things happen to just all over this world in this one year. So, uh, but I don't look at it as, well, professional wrestling guys, this has stopped me or I don't know what to do next. Like, you just got to figure it out and keep moving. Either you can get left behind or you can move along. And I chose to move along and not complain about it. Right. And it's so funny that you brought up um, the idea of people wanting to throw the whole year away because so many of, so many things have, taken place and affected people with the pandemic and also with um, Kobe and Gigi and um, Chadwick Bozeman and everything because I had actually just released um, my last episode and I paid tribute to Chadwick Bozeman. That's and, awesome. Huh? That's awesome. Yeah because to me he just sort of embodied you know the best of us um, in everything that he did even as he was going through what he was going through and it's just 
and it's just for me I just try to move forward as much as I possibly can because honestly you know you just have to make the best of every situation and just and to just reframe it um in order to keep going so um switching gears I wanted to ask you what drew you to reality of wrestling and have you ever wrestled for other promotions yes uh, I started wrestling in uh 2017 April 2017 um all over the Pittsburgh Pennsylvania Ohio West Virginia Tennessee, uh, North Carolina. Uh, I've been a few places. And uh, I just, I felt really stagnant. I felt like I was just having pointless matches and there was nothing coming out of it. And I've always told myself I would always wrestle smart because, you know, you're doing something stupid and you're not, your heart's not into it and I get injured. It's going to be. Uh, a bad situation and that happened I uh, tore my sternum mm. and uh, and it was just a point where I was kind of just like do I want to continue doing this um, it's just not for me and it was it was kind of at a crossroads where I didn't know what to do with wrestling I knew that it's been my passion since I was a kid I knew it was something I wanted to do but it wasn't working out for me in my favor the way I expected it to be so I had to just take a deep take a deep breath and like look at myself in the mirror and figure out what was wrong and a lot of the issues were my fault you know I had an ego my head was big and uh I thought that this business owed me something and I had to reevaluate my mindset and my mom moved down my mom is from Pennsylvania and uh she moved to Texas in 2018 and she told me to come down here and I'm like you know and eh, I'm not sure I don't really want to move right now and she's like just come down here and just even if it's for a year just get a different setting you know just get out of that small town feel so I did and reality wrestling was an hour away from her house so when I decided to move it was one of those things where I, I gave myself a second chance and reality of wrestling gave me the opportunity to make that second dream to come come true so it's an honor to be on the roster it's an honor to work with the girls to learn from the trainers and talk to Booker T and learn from him and just the whole experience has been great wow that sounds so good <laughs> um your story sounds almost reminds me of Drew McIntyre's story kind of like how he started in wrestling and thought that he had everything going on for him until he found out until he didn't have an injury really to to sort of knock him backwards he his was just sort of like the fact that he just sort of tried to push himself forward before it was time Mm -hmm. and then he wound up you know having to reevaluate and then starting over again and you know becoming better than he once was so your story almost patterns his in a sense but then at the same time you know, you just decided not to quit even after you faced, you know, a difficult situation, which I can imagine being injured. Like, ow. <laughs> like, I'm sure that was just a tough experience, but you bounced back from it and then found a place that was going to challenge you. So that's really good. Thank you. Thank you. It was hard. Um, it was definitely hard. I had to, like most people don't know, if they do know this, they don't bring it up. 
I switched gimmicks. I switched my name. I did a lot of things that I didn't do before. You know, when you lose yourself in this business, you can't. You have to start over, and you don't have to be exactly what I did to reinvent yourself. But you have to start over, and people are afraid to do that. But I knew I had to make a change for the better. And this, you know, the whole promise Braxton Rebel Buddhist thing, it's been. It's been absolutely great. Like, I love it. Like, I love my gimmick. I would be my gimmick if I wasn't it. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, if given the opportunity, would you wrestle for a mainstream promotion like WWE, AEW, and the like? Yes. Um, I'm not, uh, I've never really told myself where I would do and what I wouldn't do. Uh, like I wouldn't go. I would. I never told myself like I, I won't go to WWE. Or I won't go to New Japan. Or I won't go to AEW because I don't want to get my hopes up for nothing and and be disappointed if something doesn't happen. I've always said I wanted to make a career off wrestling. I want to live off wrestling. I want everyone to know who Promise Braxton is. So, an opportunity came to go to AEW. I would do it. Opportunity came to go to Impact Wrestling. I would do it. Opportunity to go to WWE. I would do it. You know, just for the experience. If don't like it, I'll go somewhere else. If I go to all three and I don't like none of them, I'll stay independent scene. If I go somewhere and like that place, I'll stay there. So I never really said, told myself, this is the goal. It's just to be successful. It's to have a, a great career and to pave the way for young, weird black girls like myself, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. So... That's what I wanted to do, you know, the outcast black girl who's kind of like the loner, but, you know, just doesn't really want to talk to anybody. That was the person I was. So if I can, like, bring light to those people and the rebels and the people who just don't care who what people think, that's what I want my career to be off of. And if I can inspire those people, you know, it ain't got to be the weird black girl, it can be the weird looking white girl or the weird black black guy or the or the Puerto Rican man or it can be whoever I just want the people I just want people in the shadows to step forward and I want to inspire them wow I love all of that so much (laughs) thank you (laughs) so how do you feel about women's wrestling and how it's perceived now now I mean I've, I've always loved women's wrestling like since I was a kid I remember and back in like 2010, I used to watch WSU faithfully. Like I would be on the computer from Friday night when I got home from school to like three in the morning watching anything as uh, mm-hmm. uh, just anyone. Uh, what's her name? Sassy, it's, it's Sassy Stephanie, like girls that you don't even hear of anymore, really. Shimmer matches. Um, it was just something that I always loved. A lot of girls, but it's unfortunate that a lot of people did, didn't know that women's wrestling was good back then. So now I feel like it's finally getting the credit that it's fi- that it's been supposed to have 20 years ago. Um, I definitely think that a lot of women sacrificed their dignity and their pride to have these moments that we're having now, such as you know 
women main eventing WrestleMania, having 30-minute matches on WrestleMania, or even in the pay-per-view, having being taken seriously. So um, the way women's wrestling is moving now, I think in the next five years, 10 years, it's definitely going to blow up. It's going to take off. And I think women's wrestling is going to be finally equal to the men in 10 years. It's so wonderful that you said that because there were a couple of matches, you know, that would happen that would still be good even during the era which, you know, some of them were just known as divas. And it's just those get so, you know, poo-pooed down because during that era of the time when it was mainstream, Mm -hmm. it was mostly just women just sort of you know doing the fluff stuff but in the middle of that you had some of these women who really were wrestling and it's so and I think it's so good that you mentioned those other promotions where people like Mercedes Martinez and Sassy Stephanie who I'm going to look up personally because hey that's my name um (laughs) and um Gail Kim who had some time in WWE and Impact you know who tried to make a change you know and do all that amazing stuff you know and it's just it gets so caught up and sometimes we just forget that these women actually tried to make a change even in the midst of all of that and I do believe that the women are you know equal to the men and I feel like it's only going to get better you know as time goes on so I yeah I'm totally with you on that so who are some wrestlers that you watch for inspiration promise uh I watch everything like <laughs> like you're like you're a wrestling fanatic um Recently, I've been watching a whole bunch of uh, moving to Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, small guy. I like to watch people who kind of kind of resemble me, but kind of have the under maybe like the underdog or the uh, strong but smaller person, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I watch a whole bunch of Kurt Angle, one of my favorites. I can watch him any day. Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, I'm not gonna say his last name. No, mm-hmm. roll it in there. Uh, Gail Kim. I, I, I love Deanna Perrazzo. I love Jordan Grace. But um, and I'll, I'll take it back from the old school. You know, I'll watch some Rick Rude. I watch some Macho Man. Uh, I watch anything. And uh, I was watching uh, Princess Victoria back in like what was it, '83. Moolah's matches, Wendy Victor. I just, I just like wrestling. Uh, I get, I get inspiration from not just the matches, but like their clothes, their promos, where they walk, their entrance, their music. Um, it's not just in the ring; it's everything. And I take inspiration from almost everything that I watch. Wow, it's so varied, and I love how varied um, <laughs> your taste in wrestling is. It's so cool because. It's so funny that you mentioned, you know, the smaller wrestlers who have power because as I was watching some of your matches, you are, it's like, you're small, but you have all this power. And I'm just like, look at her lifting these people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I try, I try, I try. Yeah. Okay, so since you call yourself the Rebel Buddhist, what are some ways that you apply your spirituality into your wrestling journey? Um, I'm not really, like, religious, that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah I'm, I'm more so of I, I believe in a higher power and but I'm a I'm very pro-human if that makes sense yes I I believe in LGBT rights I believe in Black Lives Matter I believe that immigrants should have rights 
like I'm pro-human if you're not bothering anybody I don't care so that's basically like what my whole gimmick is it's just be you I'm not about to say or do anything I don't want to say or do anything I don't want to do I don't want to get into things too much but I stand for the rights of human beings if you're you know you're a Jew you're a Muslim you're a Christian you're black you're white you're gay you're trans I don't care it's just if you are you're a cool human being and I like to be what society doesn't tell you doesn't like you to be you know it's okay to be who you want to be at the end of the day you when you die you you speak to one person and and that's it you know you know if you if you're a and like only one person's going to bed with that man and that's you so why why should anyone care like it's just i don't care about what people do it's just being authentic being authentic with you at any cost being unapologetic and just being carefree of the world caring about other people caring about children caring about charity care you know helping into your brothers and sisters who don't have what you might have or giving love for the rich and and being okay with that it's just being okay to be you that's what being a rebel buddhist means it's just being okay with who you are and just accepting that and don't apologize for it don't say sorry for it don't backpedal want it it's just being you and that's what i've always wanted you know what you are such a beautiful human um <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay um <laughs> that is just so beautiful like it just okay it just is um <laughs> let me just go to the next question <laughs> who has been your favorite opponent to face so far uh, i have two it's my tag partner for the mission pro wrestling match coming up in september 18 2020 her name is killa kate Uh, we had a match back in February and it was just I don't I guess you call it chemistry <laughs> uh, just the awesome opponent uh, then the other one I would say uh, well actually three is uh, a girl named Katie Arquette she's from Pittsburgh she wrestles for IWC and just one girl I wish that can come down here you know like so much talent so much potential and I can't wait to see where she goes in the next year or so and the last person is of course the super saying herself AQA I mean her name stands for itself she does things that no other woman in wrestling can do uh, shoot a star press just just flipping in the air that like a like a video game character she just just an amazing woman amazing wrestler and i would love to wrestle her again that's actually good because i actually watched your your match with her and i thought it was a really good match like i had never heard of her up until that point but once i finally watched her i was just like wow this is good she's like, absolutely incredible yeah okay so do do you have any more dream opponents Uh, definitely Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, I want to fight her. Uh, 
Avery Taylor's another one. I definitely want to fight her. I've been watching her a lot, and she's definitely uh, someone that I would love to fight. And uh, I would say, uh, last one, I want Bert Vixen by herself. This will be the second time facing Bert Vixen, but it's going to be in a tag match. Both matches have been tag matches. I would love to face Bert Vixen one-on-one. Okay. So, one last question. Um, What does the future hold for Promise Braxton? We don't know. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know. Um, You know, I I, I like to think that I'm a good person. Uh, I like to think that I work hard, because I do. I do work hard for my craft, and I respect his business. So, I know eventually I'm going to end up successful in this business, but I'm not rushing it. Um, it's going to come in due time, and but as far as now, I'm here for the ride. I'm enjoying myself, having fun. I enjoy the road. I enjoy the trips. I enjoy everything about professional wrestling. So I know it's going to happen. When? Who knows? Kind of who even who even cares? I just want to have fun with this sport. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on my um, podcast. Like it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So um, if you can, so if you can, you know, just put yourself over. Talk about any social media accounts or merchandise or any shows you got coming up. Just let the people know. Ladies and gents, the biggest woman's show of the year is in two weeks. It is September 18th. Mission Pro Wrestling. It's going to be me, Promise Braxton, Alex Grassi, at Thunder Rosa. Lindsay Snow, Avery Taylor, Baby D, and so much more. Please get your tickets. You can find me on Instagram at promise underscore Braxton, my Facebook at promise Braxton, and my Twitter at Braxton Promise. Thank you so much for coming on my show. You are, I'm so honored that you're going to be on this, um, on my, this 25th episode and the fact that you're my first female guest. Like, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming. No problem. Thank you. You too. Right, so now we're in the weekly recap section, and this is where I'm going to talk about what happened on Raw. So, in terms of women, we had a match between Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, who are formerly known as the Iconics. They basically decided to put them in a match against each, against each other, I'm assuming, simply because of the fact that, um, I believe last week, once Peyton and Billy broke up after they lost their fight against um, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan, um, Peyton basically threw Billy to the wolves in Raw Underground. So now they're fighting each other and they had on their different outfits. You know how Peyton had on like her pink outfit and then Billy Kay came out there in her gold outfit. And the match was relatively quick. You know, Peyton wound up winning with her um with her DDT that she does where she whips them like in a ribbon sort of like in a ribbon thing and (laughs) and she wound up winning the match with that but something that happened I was telling about their friendship um even in real life was the fact that after the match was over um Billy Kay was crying and Peyton Royce was comforting her 
And one of the coolest parts about this night was just how as I was live tweeting and talking about the episode and talking about this um, component of the show was how... I had basically tweeted out and said that I'm glad, you know, that they're still friends. You know, that's really cool. And that I see Peyton, you know, trying to, you know, come up. And as I tweeted that out, someone who responded to me was the actual um, USA Network Twitter page. Like it was official because it had to check by it. So it was verified. And they commented and said that at least that friendship is still intact because all around wrestling, you see all the friendships falling apart, like with Bailey and Sasha. And it's just so. And then with um, Seth and, and Buddy Murphy, there are a lot of friendships falling apart. So it's good to see that along with that, you still still have the friendship of Billy Kay and Peyton Royce together and the USA Network actually tweeted at me and I'm just like wow that's amazing thanks um (laughs) so I'm just sort of you know living my best life on social media guys so just bear with me um it's a blessing anyway then we had Asuka and Mickey James in their tag match with Lana and Natalia so we've got this ongoing feud between Asuka and Mickey James for the Raw Women's title um Mickey looking to prove herself as the as one of the um OGs in the business and then you got Lana and Natalia who are acting like they're just above all of them simply because of their whole social media following or whatever which does not a woman's champion make but you know we'll discuss that you know at another time um so Asuka and Mickey James are set to fight each other this week on Raw in your face I don't know why it's in your face but you know it's you know they're set to face each other for the Raw Women's title so before that they had to team up together to fight Lana and Natalia so Natty and Lana were dominating a little bit against Mickey James which I feel like was kind of weird because I mean if you're trying to beef up and make Mickey James look strong. You know, you can't have these other two girls trying to, you know, fight her and make it seem like they're stronger than her. Um, but as she was on the defensive, you know, there was a point where Mickey was able to create separation and make the tag for Oscar. And then somehow or another, Oscar got knocked off the apron, but then she climbed to the ropes, you know, and it's just like she was able to make a tag and then tap Lana out with the Oscar locks. So at that point they were able to celebrate their victory, but Mickey James was looking on with like a half smile, but she was unamused, you know, by everything that was going on because she knows that pretty soon she's going to have to fight Oscar. So they won this match here, but Natty, but it's like Natty and Lana just got too much offense in on her. And it was just kind of disappointing to see. Um, so next week it's going to be pretty cool to see, mickey and oscar fight like i said um last week but i'm wondering why they didn't just save it for clash of champions are they gonna fight each other again or is oscar gonna have like another opponent to face or is it going to be like a a fatal four-way um between lana natty and mickey you know like what is what's gonna happen there at clash of champions so really that's all that happened with the women um in terms of the main story with or at least on the main show now the show started with randy orton yet again talking about how he's gonna he was warning keith lee you know that the more they cross paths the more it's likely he's gonna get kicked in the head 
you know, and then he recapped how he gave Drew McIntyre those three punt kicks and suggested that Drew McIntyre just give up and just, you know, hand the title over to him. But then there was a siren, you know, because apparently in wrestling, people like to drive vehicles into buildings and it was an ambulance. And guess who's driving the ambulance? Drew McIntyre. He came through and basically attacked Randy Orton with a Claymore kick. And then all the referees, including Adam Pierce, who's like this new guy who I whose presence I kind of appreciate in um, all of the shows. It's just the fact that he's sort of there and not being completely bossy. But then, you know, showing his authority, he was telling Drew McIntyre that he needed to leave the building, you know, and just don't come back, you know, for a while, you know, because, you know, that's dangerous. And they basically told him to just back off. But throughout the show, it was like you still saw Drew McIntyre sort of walking around and not leaving the building, even though he was told to. So that was just kind of interesting. Then after that, you had Apollo Crews, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander versus The Hurt Business. So um, The Hurt Business um, attacked Cedric as he made his entrance in um, or whatever. And but then Apollo Crews and Ricochet came to his defense and they worked over Apollo Crews and and they were cutting him off from the corner, keeping him from tagging and stuff. But the closer but it's just like the closer that Apollo Crews reached towards his corner, it's like Cedric did the one of the craziest things that I didn't expect for him to do, even though he were they were kind of planting seeds towards it. It's just the fact that Cedric pulled Ricochet off of the ring apron and threw him into the guardrail. So y'all, Cedric is a bad guy. He's a bad guy now. No, he's gone to the dark side. Um <laughs> So from there, he delivered the lumbar check to Cruz and then it made um, Shelton Benjamin score the win with pay dirt. So he so after this happened, Cedric Alexander was sort of standing outside the ring and looking at the hurt business. And he was smiling the entire time while commentary was like, oh, my God, is this official? Is he really joining a hurt business right now? Um, but he was remaining noncommittal until later on in the show. And this was really interesting because literally throughout his entire WWE career, Cedric Alexander has been a baby face in the sense that you loved his cruiserweight talent. He's a former cruiserweight champion. And, you know, you just loved, you know, the attitude that he kind of had. And then, but, but you can't really say that he's been doing a whole lot because anytime you wouldn't see him, everybody'd be like, oh, well, where's Cedric? And then at a certain point, he was feuding with AJ Styles for the US title, but they never let him have it. It was like they were always letting him, you know, get beat up by AJ Styles constantly. And then you didn't see him anymore, which was kind of a waste of his talent, honestly, because if you weren't going to have him on 205 Live, the least you could have done was just put him in some meaningful stories, but they just kept him in catering as MVP likes to, you know, dig at people all the time. So, he had tag teamed with Ricochet, you know, towards the beginnings of the pandemic um, era, if you could call it that. And, you know, they would do stuff tag team wise. But outside of that, he never really did anything of note in his singles career or whatever. So now, finally, now that he's turned heel, there's so much more to him that, you know, 
could meet the that's there's so much more that he could do as a heel along with the hurt business because it's just like the hurt business is growing into this faction that's just gain that's gaining all this momentum really fast and Cedric would be dumb to not join this because honestly what in the world is is him and Ricochet doing together or him and Apollo Crews doing together nothing so I was really happy to see this happen because now we get to see a side of Cedric that we haven't gotten to see. And it also made Big Swole happy too because, you know, <laughs> she's always rooting for her husband on social media. So that was cool to see. Then we had the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza again. And there were tensions, of course, between Angel, Andrade, and Zelina because. Angel had left them, you know, behind last week to run away from retribution and he left them to get attacked and he didn't have their back. So there really wasn't that much to the match, you know, besides the whole infighting between Angel and Andrade, which is going to give them an inevitable beef. And I'm pretty sure a really good match out of the both of them at some point. And then Garza had walked out on them again, leaving um, Montez Ford to give a frog splash to Andrade for the victory. And hopefully this is the last time we'll see them fight because watching them fight each other over and over again is just kind of annoying if you're not going to give Andrade and Angel a chance at the title. So there was that. So after the match, um, unexpectedly, you had Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, who are the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, arrive as a part of the Brand to Brand Initiative, which I completely forgot that they had had. Um, and they were <laughs> and they were staring them down and basically challenging them to a match um, on Raw next week. So that's going to be in our face, too. So they were basically, you know, throwing shade at each other, throwing barbs at one another. And what's so funny is I think the funniest part of this whole promo um, between the two champions is just the, or at least the two sets of champions is the fact that Montez told Cesaro that he probably needs to get an STD check because of the many partners that he's had as it's as a tag team wrestler and I thought that was a major burn no pun intended um, because it was just like if you really think about it Cesaro he's such a good wrestler and you would think that he would have had you know more chances at singles gold but he really hasn't and a lot of the, the stuff that he's been doing has been mostly tag team stuff so it was just funny to see Montez Ford bring that up in, in the way that he did so it's going to be really good to see those two fight each other even though this is kind of a match that you would sort of expect to see towards Survivor Series but we're still too early for that because it's just September and Survivor Series doesn't happen until November so you know whatever but it's still gonna be good regardless then we had Dominic Mysterio and um Murphy sort of throwing barbs at each other. Um, Charlie Caruso um, introduced the Mysterio family for an in-ring promo. And then Ray discussed, you know, how proud he is of his son, Dominic, stating that um, that he knows what to do in order to get the win against Murphy in their street fight that night. And then Murphy interrupted and basically blamed Seth, you know, and basically like blamed his betrayal, like Seth Rollins betraying him on Dominic he was just like Dom has a bright future here in WWE but the ultimate sacrifice would be to end it before it ever got started 
and then they got and then he challenged him to the street fight and then Dominic accepted it and it's kind of interesting to see how Murphy isn't taking responsibility for his own failings he's blaming it all on Dominic it's like he's blaming Seth Rollins being angry at him all, all on Dominic as opposed to really like you know understanding the idea that not only it's a part of Murphy's shortcomings but also Seth's shortcomings as a leader like Seth should not have turned his back on Murphy the way he did because Murphy's been there every step of the way ever since this whole disciple messiah thing had started so it's kind of sucky that Seth would just turn his back on him like that but you know they're playing that that long game out so that's going to be you know interesting once that actually happens and then you had the VIP lounge and Cedric was there so Cedric basically talked about how he's officially joined the Hurt Business and how they gave him his good little gold and black t-shirt and everything and Shelton Benjamin actually expressed his um skepticism you know and just wondering you know what his init like what is Alexander's motivations in joining the Hurt Business he was like look if you try to pull anything I will beat you up but you know Alexander was like no like I'm really in this you know for for the long haul and because it's going to be beneficial to me and my professional growth so as this promo is going on the viking raiders interrupted it followed by Cruz and ricochet and then they basically um started a whole brawl or whatever which led to an eight-man tag match between them and it's not like you couldn't see this coming but this match was pretty much as good as you could expect it all to be um between all these tag teams and the Hurt Business wound up winning because, you know, they just have to win <laughs> because they're be because they're being beefed up. So, you know, it was still it was still a good match. But then something questionable that happened was the fact that the finish was flubbed because it's like even though it was about Cedric Alexander, you know, growing to be this roaring star on his own, the referee had messed up the count somehow. I think he had covered he had covered someone and then the three count wasn't the three count. I think he was covering Ricochet. That's who it was. And um, it wasn't a three count. It was like a two count. And then he had jumped out and it was supposed to be a three count. And either way, it just kind of destroyed the moment for Cedric almost because it was just like, come on, guys, like referees, what y'all doing? Like it was bad. But outside of that, you know, the point was you know, was the fact that the Hurt Business is now stronger because Cedric's in it. So, hey, whatever. Here's hoping that the referees can get their lives together because they made another mistake, Um, I think, in the show later on. But, you know, refs, get your lives in order. Then we had Keith Lee versus Randy Orton, you know, for the third time in a, you know, in a couple of weeks. And Keith Lee had dominated the match, you know, kind of early. And there was this really cool spot where um, Randy Orton tried to hit Keith Lee with the RKO, but Keith Lee used his girth to block it. And that was one of the coolest moments I had ever seen in my life because it's not often you really see somebody block the RKO because the RKO out of nowhere is one of the most over um, finishers in all of wrestling, you know, in wrestling and outside and, and also in pop culture as well. So to see him sort of block it was just kind of like, yes, Keith Lee, do your thing. And um, then there was a point where um, there was a headlock after 
a Orton stomp, but then Keith Lee had fought out and then flattened him with a power slam. But then he, but then Keith had set up Orton for a spirit bomb, but then Orton escaped and then was able to deliver an, an RKO. But then despite being banned, you had Drew McIntyre insinuating himself with a Claymore, which drew a disqualification. And he basically told Randy Orton, you know, who was ba basically unconscious saying, I want to see me. I want you to see me in your dreams. And then Pierce ordered McIntyre out of the arena as Orton nurses jaw. So basically, in a sense, they're making Keith Lee still look strong because even though Keith Lee lost this match via disqualification, he still didn't take a pin from Randy Orton. So he still never lost. And I saw a lot of people on social media get frustrated because they feel like, oh, they're ruining Keith Lee already. And guys, no, he's not. Like, they're not ruining Keith Lee already because he hasn't been pinned by an OG like Randy Orton just yet. And then he has a match. He has a non-title match against Drew McIntyre this week. So it's not all, you know, all hope is lost for NXT hopefuls. Like, it never truly is. Some Like, sometimes it has been. But in this case, you can tell they're trying, they're actually trying with Keith Lee. So don't just give up hope. Don't give up hope on Keith just yet. It's okay. Um, <laughs> breathe in and out. <laughs> so after that, you had, um, raw underground and a lot of different stuff going on at this point. Um, Kevin Owens and Aleister Black fought only a little while on raw underground before the commercial break. And then, and then, you know, after the break came back, you know, they resumed their fight. But then Aleister Black tried for an arm bar, but then Owens broke by slamming his opponent into the wall. And it was really cool to see that happen. Now, I expect them to have like a match match, but to see them in Raw Underground was still kind of cool, too. So it, it was whatever. And then there was a brawl between other Underground competitors. And it was just... You really didn't see that much of Raw Underground after that point until Dabakato decided to attack both of them and lay them out, which kind of just left that, you know, feud in up in the air at this point, because I'm pretty sure they're going to fight in a match match pretty soon. But then also in the midst of that, you had um, a two on one handicap match between Shayna Baszler and the riot squad and then Nia Jax and the riot squad and as this match kept going on it was a pretty by the numbers match between these girls um retribution wound up interrupting the match and you know a logo had came up but then it's just like and then they basically cut a promo with their voices d distorted and they were threatening everybody and threatening the, the WWE universe and the system and all of the above. And we are still nowhere close to figuring out who they are. There are a lot of predictions online, but no one really truly knows exactly who they are. And I'm ready to know who these people are and why they're doing this and why they're causing so much havoc. So, I mean, hey, whatever. And then we had the street fight between Dominic and Mysterio between not Dominic and Mysterio, between Dominic and Murphy. I'm getting all my M's mixed up. And Dominic didn't come to this match alone. He had Ray, um, his sister Aaliyah, and his mom Angie out there with him. And they were all armed with kendo sticks. And Murphy attacked from the opening bell. And he was catching Dominic with a big knee before throwing him over the announce table. And Dominic kept fighting, you know, kept fighting back and showing his fearlessness. 
And it was like, then they, then there was a point where he had jumped off the raw stage screens and onto Murphy heading into the break. And then Murphy tried to seize control during the match. And then he teased shoving Dominic's eye into the steel steps again, because apparently that's just the worst thing that could ever happen now um, when you're facing Murphy or Seth Rollins. But then he um, decided to hang him up on the barricade and injuring his ribs um, instead. But then he brutalized him with a chair after that point. But then Dominic fought out of an abdominal stretch and then sent Murphy out of the ring. But then in this really amazing spot, um, as Murphy was looking under the ring for more weapons, um, Aaliyah and Angie, you know, freed Dominic from the ropes that he had him tied in, which was reminiscent of that raw spot during Dominic's first match where they had wrapped him up and beat him with the kendo sticks. They freed him. And then as he freed him, Dominic delivered an amazing sunset flip bomb through a table and it was one of the coolest spots ever because it looked like it really hurt Murphy bad I was just like yes like that was just a really cool move for someone who was just starting out and um then it earned him a two count before he was able to team with his dad to unload on Murphy with like kendo sticks and and then as they were beating Murphy up with these kendo sticks Ray Mysterio yelled out, payback is a bitch, isn't it? And <laughs> and it was really cool. So after that point, Ray invited Angie and Aaliyah into the ring and they all basically beat up on Murphy over and over again and kept beating him up over and over again until the show went off. And this was really cool to see this family get all of this revenge on Buddy Murphy um, after all of the torment that him and Seth Rollins had put on their family. Now, you would hope that this would be the end of the story, but next week they announced that um, they announced that Dominic and I believe Seth are going to fight in a cage match on Friday. Not Friday, but Monday. So, yeah. So, uh, this isn't going to end just regular. <laughs> so I think this is probably because of the fact that Ray is injured and he can't fight himself. So they're just putting Dominic in these matches. So here's hoping that after this um match that it'll that this feud will be over. Because it's becoming a little bit long in the tooth. So that's pretty much everything that happened on Raw. And so now we're gonna re recap NXT, which took place on Tuesday. Okay, so now we're going to weekly recap NXT, which took place on Super Tuesday again. <laughs> I believe next week they might be going back to Wednesday. So, yeah, this was just still a little bit of an adjustment, but, you know, we'll manage. So we're going to start with the women like we always do. So Shotzi Blackheart and Io Shirai met up in the ring together and they were actually torturing Robert Stone. Because Shotzi had found Robert Stone snooping around her tank and he was giving off the impression that he wanted to steal it. Um, but then as, you know, she was chasing him around, Aaliyah made the save by attacking Blackheart. But then she accidentally ruined Io Shirai's photo shoot. So she bumped into her, you know, not knowing that she was on the other side of the curtain. But then Blackheart and Shirai attacked Aaliyah and Robert Stone in the ring. And then as they, you know, ran them away, um... 
Shotzi basically, you know, grabbed the title for Io Shirai and feigned like she was going to give it to her. But then she basically, you know, held on to it for a long period of time as Io kind of looked disgusted with her. Like, how dare you, you know, grab my title like that and disrespect me. So now they're teasing the idea that Shotzi might be the next in line to go after Io Shirai for the NXT women's title. And this will be really good because, you know, It'll, it just will because there's nothing that the NXT women's division can do that will be any type of wrong at this point. So <laughs> that would be really cool. Also, with the women, you had Tegan Knox going to um, Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano's house, you know, and they were going to rekindle their friendship and all of the above. And um, Johnny Gargano brought her to the dinner table and he was sitting there with the both of them as if he was sort of watching over them. And it made Tegan feel a little bit uncomfortable. So Johnny Gargano kind of took the hint and left, you know, and Candace asked Tegan to consider taking the Gargano approach and forgetting about the fans, you know, and just being her own woman. Um, and then it seemed as if the rest of the conversation after that point was, you know, on the up and up until um, Candice LeRae talked about who would be next in line or who would be the next NXT Women's Champion out of the both of them insinuating that it was going to be Candice and not Tegan and this is where they got upset at each other and then um, they broke out a fight and I believe Candice was the first to throw some food or some water or something and then Tegan dumped some um, spaghetti on um, Johnny Gargano's head and then, then LeRae accidentally smashed the TV you know, and then they left and it was just, and then they basically just, you know, left at to consider that Candace and Tegan are no longer friends and that this relationship isn't going to work out. And, um, so that's pretty much, um, what happened with that. And also with the women, you had the main event, which was Mercedes Martinez versus Rhea Ripley in the steel cage match. And they kept calling this the battle of the badasses. And it was really amazing um, to see that, to see these girls, you know, sort of fight each other and just destroy one another because they're both amazing powerhouses who have lots of good technical support and and then you also have the x factor of robert stone being there so rhea ripley came out swinging really early and then in this whole encounter it was like she was really malicious in her earlier destruction of mercedes but mercedes was fighting back and then she fought back with a fisherman suplex because she's the queen of suplexes like throughout this entire match she just gave impressive suplex after impressive suplex she even did a suplex off of the top rope and rhea ripley sold it so well with how she landed on her shoulders it was so amazing and then um as and then she kept fighting back and with a steel chair to brutalize Rhea but then she pulled out but then Rhea pulled out the prism trap almost getting a tap out but then it was like and then it was like Robert Stone tried to distract Ripley by setting up Martinez um by setting up Martinez to be able to hit Rhea with a kendo stick shot but then Martinez caught her with a top rope neck breaker and then refused but then Ripley just refused to be stopped and then she just kept going and then she hit a riptide from the second rope and then gave her the win 
Now, I wasn't mad with how this ended because the match was just so cool. Um, and honestly, I do believe Rhea Ripley is sort of on the come up now from her having lost, you know, a couple of high profile matches for the NXT women's title and stuff. So she's just trying to beef herself back up. And Mercedes Martinez really lost nothing in losing a match like this because she lost against someone who she's evenly matched with in terms of power and um, technicals. Um, ability so i'm not necessarily mad with how that ended but i am interested to see on what to see what mercedes is going to do next and that's really all that happened with the women um so nxt started with the nxt championship match between adam cole and finn balor and a lot of us were under the impression that this would be the main event but they decided to make the women the main event and i'm never mad about that so but i was surprised to see adam cole and finn balor start the show so it was interesting to see they started out slow um and they were filling out each other's you know basic wrestling offense but then the action of course you know ramped up the more they felt comfortable with each other and this match was a stunner it was an absolute amazing stunner between them two like they just kept hitting each other with the best that they had and it was always and it was gonna be a back and forth match between them both it was almost like you could almost feel that maybe adam cole would win or you could almost feel that finn was gonna win it was just a lot of back and forth but where it ended was the fact that the undisputed era leader you know just fought back with a super kick and into the last shot for a near fall but then the prince pulled out a top rope 1916 for the win and i think during this point there was a point where finn was injured in his knee and he almost didn't win because of that but he wound up like he wound up injuring his knee during a high point in the match but he was able to pull out that 1916 for the win and now he is the nxt champion for the second time in his career and i was really happy with this simply because of the fact that finn since he had been back in nxt hadn't really done as much he had a couple wins underneath his belt but as far as anything of note you know in terms of going for the nxt north american title or anything else like that it was like he just kept losing and i was just like bro what is his what what is his point in being here if he's gonna keep losing but he wound up winning the big one and wound up becoming champion again for the first time in a long time even in terms of main roster um appeal he hadn't been champion for a long time so it was good to see that and then they showed um clips backstage of him and adam cole doing the two sweet at each other as former bullet club members in the independence so that was really cool to see so um after that you had a match between velveteen dream and ashante adonis and i tried to joke about this on twitter and say that there was a lot of chocolate in the ring between the both of them and it was you know good but everyone who was live tweeting was just talking about how you know they just want velveteen dream off of television so i <sighs> this is kind of hard so i'm just going to talk about the match so Ashante Adonis almost rolled up Velveteen Dream for a three count and he actually put up a good fight up you know against him you know for him to be relatively you know new um he was pretty impressive in his I don't want to say his debut because I feel like I've seen him before but it's just been a while but Ashante Adonis really did hold his own for a little while until Velveteen Dream 
you know, recover it and hit him with a Dream Valley driver for the win. But so after this match, Kushida returned with a whole bunch of anger and came back with an aggressive edge, you know, and started beating up on Velveteen Dream for revenge from having attacked him and lost out on another title opportunity. And he trapped Velveteen Dream in the ropes and locked him in a cross arm breaker until the officials broke it up. So now we've got this feud between Velveteen Dream and Kushida, who has, you know, more of an edge now. And so this Velveteen Dream, he has more of an edge now. So we have these two anti well we have one as an anti-hero and then we have one who's a heel because velveteen dream's a heel now so yeah that's gonna be interesting to see and then we have brizango um and imperium talking about their their tag team title rematches between them and they talked about how much they don't have a common aesthetic and how much they don't like each other so they're gonna fight each other again so that's gonna be cool and i'm just really proud of Breezango. But anyway, then we had another match between Bronson Reed and Austin Theory. And even though it was good to see Austin Theory, you know, in the ring again, because he just kind of disappeared for a while. I don't know why, but a lot of people on Twitter have been insinuating it was because of some unsavory reasons. So I guess the more information I get on that, I guess the more I'll probably either discuss it or probably not discuss it, depending on how bad it is. But <laughs> um, they fought each other. And Basically, Bronson Reed held his own, you know, throughout the entire match, and he um, used one opening to get going, hitting a series of strikes and splashes. And even though Theory, and it seemed like Theory just bit off more than he could chew with him, and so Bronson Reed won the match. So there's really not that much to discuss there. Um, at least Bronson Reed has more of a momentum going with his new gimmick as the Colossal and not the Thick Boy I enjoyed the thick boy gimmick because I mean, how many men in WWE actually, you know, embraces the fact that they think not really not that many. So, I mean, that's gone. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I guess it's cause I'm just thick that I just, you know, embrace that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so now we have, um, another match between Roderick Strong and Killian Dane. And it's kind of strange the um, conundrum that Killian Dane finds himself in. It just seems like he's just become the new big guy that people just fight, you know, when they need somebody to fight in NXT. And it's kind of weird to see that happen because he was once insanity, but then that got broken up. And then he went back to NXT, you know, to sort of get better. And now he's just the big guy that people just choose to fight randomly at times. And it's just kind of sad. But Killian you know, fought and came out swinging against Roderick Strong. He kept battering him with a powerful offense. But then the technical offense just of Roderick just wasn't meant to go up against him with all this big size, but he tried to put up a good fight. But then Bobby Fish, who was out there, you know, with his um, undisputed era brethren, pulled Bro Roderick Strong to safety after finishing a running splash, which set Killian Dane off, who went after Bobby Fish. And the distraction allowed um, allowed Roderick Strong to win with a jumping high knee. So they were all stumping all over, you know, Killian Dane after the win happened. But then Drake Maverick tried to save Killian Dane, but got beat down for his effort for it. And then Killian Dane grabbed a steel pipe and sent Strong and Fish running. But then he also proceeded to beat up Drake Maverick afterward too. And 
it was kind of weird to see Drake Maverick, you know, at least he was being a good guy and coming to his safety. But at the same time, to see Killian Dane sort of beat him up afterward was just kind of like, well, dang, he was trying to help you, dude. But whatever. And that's really all that happened on NXT. Um, it was a pretty good show. So here's hoping, you know, they find their groove, you know, back again on Wednesday. Um, and something else that kind of caught me off guard about the whole Wednesday night and Tuesday night thing um, was how people were talking about how AEW was still over NXT in ratings. But something that still that weirded me out was just the fact that how y'all gonna have them compete against each other when they weren't even on on the same night that week. It's really strange how people will just find any reason to make it seem like AEW is just ahead of NXT no matter what. And it's just like they're they're just willing to do it no matter what. Oh, they were ahead of them in ratings. I thought the key to having NXT and AEW compete against each other was the fact they were going to compete on on the same night. I think I thought that was the point. It's supposed to be a supposedly Wednesday night war, even though NXT isn't actively participating in that war because AEW is the main one who's always throwing shots at them. It's always, you know, supposed to be on the same night. So I don't think the whole ratings war would supposedly count. I don't think it would count in terms of this week, considering NXT was on Tuesday and AEW was on Wednesday. So sometimes I just feel like we do too much as wrestling fans. We really do too much. And also in the media, we have a tendency to do too much too. So yeah, that's all that happened on NXT. I had to go on that little rant a little bit, but you know, that's all that happened on NXT. And now we're going to recap SmackDown. Okay, so we're going to do our last weekly recap of SmackDown, which took place last night from the Thunderdome. And the show started with a tribute to um, the lives lost in the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. Um, I want to send my love and condolences and and peace out um, to any person that's lost someone or something on that day 19 years ago. Um, You are always in my heart and always in my prayers and I will always send good vibes to you, definitely, um, because that day really did rock us and change us um, in a way that I don't think we've been able to fully recover from, but we've been able to recover from with time at the same time. So to anyone who was ever affected by that, I just um, hope and pray that you've gotten the level of healing that you would need from that um, terrible day. So... To go into the rest of the show and what happened with the women. Bailey, the SmackDown Women's Champion, was able to address why she attacked Sasha Banks last week. Um, they replayed her attacking um, Sasha as she sat in a chair in the middle of the ring. Um, and they replayed the attack and how bad it was and everything and showed her smiling or whatnot. And it was just kind of crazy. So after they replay the attack, Bailey talked about how she knew that even though they were teaming together, she knew that Sasha was going to get ready to do the same thing to her. She said that she never cared about Sasha and just used her to get what she wanted, the same way Sasha used her to get what, get what she wanted. 
she said she claimed that um Sasha was useless after they lost the tag titles before um taking her chair and leaving her in the ring and leaving in the ring she basically said Sasha oh well she was useless after you know we lost the titles and then after and but what I've but I found really funny was the fact that she was talking about how useless Sasha was you know with them being in the tag title picture but when you look back at most of those matches you saw that Sasha was the one who was doing the most work in terms of keeping those tag titles for as long as they did and she was also doing the most work in helping Bailey keeping her Smackdown women's title as well and being the good friend that she wanted to be to her but you all but when it came to Sasha and her raw women's title it's like Bailey wasn't doing half as much work to help keep to help her keep it because you know those last few matches where Sasha was screaming Bailey help me Bailey help me Bailey was not helping her she really wasn't and it was just kind of sad to see you know Sasha putting putting in it was like a one-sided relationship how there's always one person putting so much into the relationship but then there's always that other person who doesn't care as much but they just keep them around just because they know it'll be good for them it's just like that's kind of how their relationship was so i just cannot wait to see sasha banks rise from the ashes and destroy her so i can finally get what i want um (laughs) so after she cut this really scathing promo talking about how how useless sasha was and how she was using me so i just decided to destroy her and all of the above they started the entrances for the fatal four-way match for the number one contendership to Bailey SmackDown women's title. And Nikki Cross was the first to come out there as Bailey was leaving with her chair and her title. So when Nikki Cross was walking towards the ring, Bailey smacked her in the back with the chair. Which is something I kind of saw coming. So she attacked her and then, you know, they went to a commercial break. And then the and then after the break we came back and saw Alexa Bliss trying to comfort Nikki Cross and then you had um Lacey Evans do her entrance and you had Tamina in the ring as well so the thing that disappointed me the most about this fatal four-way match is not even the fact that the performances weren't exactly as good as they could have been but was just the fact that Naomi wasn't in it and I saw on social media as I was live tweeting that there were a lot of people who were disappointed with the fact that Naomi wasn't in it simply because the last time we saw her on Smackdown television she was the one who beat Bailey in the beat the clock challenge um while she was a part of the golden role models with Sasha Sasha beat Naomi but Naomi beat Bailey so you would have thought that out of something like that that maybe Naomi would go on to have another opportunity and be in this fatal four-way match, but she wasn't. It's like you saw the usual suspects. You saw Tamina, you saw Alexa, you saw Nikki, which makes sense for Alexa and Nikki to be in it because they've been, you know, prominent on television lately, you know, with the whole Bray Wyatt situation and with Alexa going crazy and stuff. But Lacey Evans, who hasn't really been on television since she last lost to Naomi here again, that just made no sense to me and it also makes me beg the question as it makes me beg to ask WWE this question is outside of Sasha Banks why isn't that you why why aren't they like promoting their black female wrestlers better outside of Sasha Banks it's almost like if you're not Sasha Banks you know it's almost like they don't care about you it's almost like there's no Bianca like that much anymore 
because we hadn't really seen her since her last, you know, tag team foray with the Riot Squad. There's no Naomi. It's just like, come on, guys. Like, if you are claiming, you know, they're doing all this diversity stuff with the, you know, hurt business and also with the Mysterio family and stuff like that, then why can't you do the same for your black women who aren't Sasha Banks? You know, and I understand you do have other women of color like Asuka, you know, and Mickey James, because Mickey James is part Native American. And then you also have Asuka, who is Asian, you know, and that's good for the most part. And then you have Tamina, who was in the Fatal Four Way, who's Samoan. But at the same point and rate, as talented as Naomi is, and as much as we did that outcry for hashtag Naomi deserves better, they're not showing us that they actually care about what we said. And I'm not a whiner or a complainer in most cases, but in this case, last night was definitely a fluke in the sense that they didn't have Naomi in that match. Like, I don't know if, I mean, I would take it a whole lot better if Naomi was busy doing something else or something like that, which is something that my dad did say, well, maybe she's doing something else. But at the same point in Ray, a part of me does feel some type of way about the fact that they're not beefing up their black female superstars who aren't Sasha Banks. And I love Sasha Banks. Like I am a I am a full on stand of Sasha Banks. Like she is the goat to me, but she is not the only black female y'all need to be pushing. She's not the only talented black female y'all that, that y'all need to be pushing WWE and they need to do better. And they also need to do better with the fact that Alexa Bliss was out there wearing those locks. Even though I understand that Bray Wyatt had always had those locks or whatever. It's just the fact that I just don't like it when you know other people wear locks like that it's just kind of not cute but (laughs) either way the fatal four-way match happened and nikki cross wound up winning so now she's the number one contender to bailey smackdown women's title um, and they're gonna fight each other at clash of champions so here we go so that but i will also say that alexa bliss hitting Nikki Cross with sister Abigail and giving her a kiss on the forehead afterward and running off, you know, to disappear into God knows where, which was another thing that made me mad about the match was the fact that they were still billing it as a supposed fatal four way. But yet that that spot that Alexa Bliss left blank wasn't filled. So it was just a triple threat. So I'm just kind of like. That was a spot that y'all could have used to give to Naomi if anybody was going to come out and do a fatal four-way and keep that consistent, but they didn't. So, uh, anyway, that's pretty much what happened with the women. So, and also they showed more of who the mystery girl is with the fur coat and the red bottoms. And a lot of people think it's going to be either Maurice, which I mean, I highly doubt to a certain degree, or it's going to be Carmella with the rebrand. So... I would definitely think it's going to be Carmella because she hasn't been on TV for a while and I miss her. So come on, Carmella. Come on. So I think that's going to be cool. So that's all that happened with the women. And then, oh, wait. And then we also got news today that Mandy Rose got traded to Raw and that got revealed by The Miz on Talking Smack this morning. So that was interesting. So I guess, you know, farewell to Mandy Rose and her Smackdown run so that's all that happened with the women so with the men the show started with Paul Heyman coming out on his birthday no less to um promote his client Roman Reigns the universal champion before he asked Jay Uso to come out to the ring and Jay came out there looking fired up and happy or whatever and he was talking about how um he 
And Jay Uso came out there and talked about how Paul Heyman had a long history with his family and how much love he has for him. And he thanked Paul um, for setting up his opportunity in the Fatal 4-Way. But then Paul Heyman said it was actually Roman's idea to have Jay Uso replace Biggie. So Reigns basically said that him and his whole family is proud of who is proud of him because he earned this opportunity to main event a pay-per-view. And he shifted gears and proceeded to say that he will whoop Jay the same way he used to do when they were kids because it's not his time to win the universal title. And you could feel the tension in the air, but it wasn't as thick as it would be later on in the night um, because Baron Corbin came out there to interrupt and complained about Reigns using nepotism to give his cousin a title shot and called it an abuse of power. And then Sheamus came out there to agree with him. So Jay Uzo got fired up and said, you know, and suggested a tag match between um between him and Roman Reigns and Corbin and Sheamus so they basically so they basically um so Jay basically fought the both of them after that challenge and Reigns just stood there and watched him fight which basically added more to their tension <laughs> and I thought that was like interesting because I'm saying like bro that's your family and you just gonna let him fight by himself but you know Roman Reigns is on his new teeth hootis behavior so <laughs> that was um it was really interesting and then you had jeff hardy hardy gang hardy gang um versus aj styles for the intercontinental title but before greg hamilton could announce you know the competitors in the match Sami Zayn came out there and ranted about how he's the real intercontinental champion and called jeff hardy a sham champion and then adam pierce you know the dude who's in charge but at the same time kind of isn't in charge because he's not over you know over exaggerating his power um came out to remove Sami Zayn from the situation and then while he was distracted um Seth at- well not Seth I'm sorry AJ Styles attacked him from behind <laughs> and then as soon as the bell rang um Jeff Hardy um hit the twist of fate and he climbed up the top rope for a swanton bomb but he missed it um because AJ had moved out of the way and then um there was a point where after the break we saw AJ and Jeff Hardy you know crash into a barricade when Jeff jumped Edge Styles from the ring steps but then of course you had a bunch of counters from AJ Styles you know but then and then he kept focusing on Jeff Hardy's left leg that got injured and let like a couple weeks ago and then Sami Zayn came out of nowhere and attacked Styles and as he hit as he tried to hit the phenomenal forearm which hit which basically made a disqualification in the process and he took out Jeff Hardy with a haluva kick before saying there was only one true champion and while Jeff Hardy was trying to make his way up the rope you know as still your champion he collapsed on his way up up to the ramp and said it was due to dehydration but then Hardy was in the trainer's room when Zayn came back to taunt him, but then Hardy tackled him, and then they went to a break as they brawled. So, basically, what we're doing is we're playing who's the actual champion. But in all honesty, Jeff Hardy is the actual champion because of the fact that Sami Zayn got stripped of his title due to him not being there once the pandemic era started. Um, after he won, you know, his match, you know after he won the title and stuff you just didn't see him anymore and so they stripped him of the title so the title was left vacant so with the title being left vacant that meant nobody was champion so ever since all the debacle happened with Daniel Bryan and everybody else winning the IC title and now Jeff Hardy has it you know Jeff Hardy's the actual champion 
AJ just wants the title back, and now you got Sami Zayn trying to insinuate himself as the actual champion when in actuality he's not. So, yeah, it's a lot going on. Um, <laughs> then we had Lucha House Party versus Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. But before Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura fought in their match, they were in the Champions Lounge, but then they got an impromptu visit from the Street Profits. And I was really happy because anytime you get a double dose of the Street Profits in one week, it's just it's just extra joy. So they came, you know, dressed up in their suits or whatnot, you know, and, and you know, just basically antagonizing Cesaro and Nakamura. And Nakamura was like, y'all don't belong here and all this other stuff. And Cesaro was like, no, we have a match. We need to focus. And so they went out, you know, and fought and something else that I've noticed is the fact that Kalisto is calling himself basically the leader of the Lucha House Party much to the chagrin of Grand Metalik and um Lince Dorado like they really don't like the fact that he's calling himself a leader but it's like ever since um Kalisto has returned he came back you know beefed up you know he's been working out and everything he came out with this new white outfit that he had never worn before so he's kind of feeling himself a little bit but you can see the tension rising in that group as well but even with that they were still able you know to get the win over the tag champ so maybe down the line they'll have a tag team title opportunity again um so which left Cesaro and Nakamura reeling and they were angry at the fact that they were distracted by um the street profits inviting a whole bunch of other people into the champions lounge to have like a big old party um so which seems like a pretty street profits thing to do you know they're the cool guys so they're gonna invite everybody to a party to a place like to a place that's not even theirs but you know it was just pretty funny so after that you had otis versus john morrison and otis is coming out you know with his you know briefcase and everything because he is still mr money in the bank no matter how many people claim they trying to forget um and he just keeps fighting john morrison and the miz or whatever and john morrison and the miz keep antagonizing him over and over again because they feel like he's not deserving of the money in the bank contract and they keep trying to steal it from him because because they feel like they should be mr money in the bank but it's so weird though because you don't win money in the bank by just stealing it it's not like the 24 7 title where you where whoever takes it or whoever wins in a match you know has possession of it like whoever won it in that ladder match is supposed to be mr money in the bank but i don't know why they're doing this to him but otis keeps outsmarting him because he not only keeps winning those matches that he's in he keeps trading off the cases that the contract is even in and leaving them you know with his, all of his left behind lunch stuff so that was pretty interesting so but i just don't know exactly what point that's supposed to prove if they keep trying to steal the contract from him like that doesn't make you mr money in the bank but then somehow or another the miz is trying to call in some type of favor to try to find a loophole in a contract somehow because apparently there's always a loophole in a contract so I guess we'll just have to see how this goes, but I'm not necessarily like I, I'm just not too sold on why they're doing all this. But the night the night almost basically ended with the Firefly Fun House with Bray Wyatt talking about how he tried to reveal like a new friend and everybody thought it was going to be Alexa Bliss, right? But it wasn't. 
it was actually supposed to be a parrot named Pasquale, but it seemed like Pasquale the parrot died in the box because he did because Braid forgot to poke holes in the box. So there's no Pasquale. But then the Vince McMahon puppet came in and basically told Bray Wyatt that he was going to get a new special advisor to the Firefly Funhouse who was going to be Wobbly Walrus. So Wobbly Walrus was made to look like Paul Heyman. Like there's just no other. There's nothing else to truly say about that. Like they were throwing shade at the fact that Roman Reigns is a universal champion now and his advisor is Paul Heyman. So now I guess Bray Wyatt is going to have a special person now to sort of help the the Firefly Funhouse get back on its supposedly good graces. So I don't know what the point of that was, but hey, whatever. Um, there's no word yet on if Alexa Bliss is going to visit the Firefly Funhouse at some point, but she keeps acting all kinds of cuckoo. So we'll see. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens with that. So the main event was a tag team match with Sheamus and Barry Corbin taking on Jay Uso and Roman Reigns. So Uso was attacked during his entrance, and what's so what was so strange about this entire thing was just how Roman Reigns didn't even come out you know until the end of the match you know to save him and be by his side and the bell hit rang and the match had begun and Uso basically fought in a handicap match this entire time and he didn't show and then Roman Reigns didn't even show up until Sheamus was about to hit a bro kick on Jay Uso and then Reigns's entrance music you know distracted distracted um Sheamus and Corbin enough for for Jay Uso to get a victory on him and so he was able to sort of pin him by himself but it was still so funny because Roman Reigns tagged himself in so he could get the pin with a spear Like, he tagged himself into the match and told Jey Uso a motion for him to get out of the ring so he could spear Sheamus and get the pin for himself. And then as they were celebrating the win, like, and Jey Uso lifted his arm, you know, that had the Universal title in it, Roman was looking at him like he was just an absolute bug, like, on a windshield. And it was so bad like it was just so nasty looking like when I saw that image I was just like ooh, like a picture is just worth a thousand words because it was almost like he was just looking at him like you're not worthy to be holding up my arm with this title next to it like it was so gross like whoa like the tension is just really really hot with them and I'm really ready to see them fight and to see how they're going to continue this story going into Clash of Champions so um outside of that like to basically correct myself Roman Reigns basically speared Sheamus um for the win and Jey Uso didn't get the pin on Sheamus I apologize for that y'all but it was just oof the tension between Jay and Roman is gonna be really good now a lot of people online were saying they feel like Jay and Roman could have some type of um some type of faction out of it you know if they still wind up being friends after this match 
Um, so maybe if, you know, Jimmy Uso comes back and they start like a whole Samoan dynasty thing, because something that I do notice is the fact that Paul Heyman keeps calling um, Roman Reigns the tribal chief. And it sounds like, you know, there's some type of insinuation that maybe there could be a Samoan dynasty thing that could happen with that but who's to say you know so I think it's it's still intriguing to see it's one of the best parts of Smackdown at this point so um this was a good night um on Smackdown you know it was a little bit on the struggle bus and there was a couple things that happened that I didn't necessarily like but it was still you know a pretty good show so that's the end of our weekly recap and now we're gonna go to the conclusion Right, so thank you so much for listening to this special 25th episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Um, I also want to send a special shout out and thank you to Promise Braxton, who um, came and just brought some beautiful, positive messaging, you know, to my show and actually shared a lot about her wrestling journey. And I wish her nothing but continued success at Reality of Wrestling. So if you want to check out, you know, anything that she's got going on, you can always follow her on all of her social media media handles. And you can also, you know, watch Reality of Wrestling out of Texas, um, which was founded by Booker T. Always check that out out and if you also just want to continue to support my show you can follow me on instagram at hardy wrestling podcast and on twitter at hardy wrestle pod and you can follow my facebook page which is um hardy wrestling with stephanie hardy um or just hardy wrestling podcast as well um I'm just really grateful for this journey and I'm just really glad to have reached 25 episodes at this point um I'm glad that I've created this safe space for people to go you know and learn about wrestling if they've never watched it before and even if they continue to watch watch it or if they're diehard fans they can listen to me and actually get some type of you know joy from it so I'm just really grateful for those who do listen to me and for all the friends that I've made in the podcasting community and stuff and just I'm just really happy that this is you know just taking place in my life and I hope to continue to create um great content for you guys as I continue to grow as a podcaster and content creator um so like I said just follow me everywhere um if you have any wrestling questions feel free to inbox me some if there's something that you want me to watch wrestling wise that you want me to give my opinion about I can do that as well or if you have any suggestions for people who did you who you want me to interview, you know, you can do that as well as you can just tell me who you want me to interview too. So with that in mind, I hope you guys are having a fantastic weekend and I hope you continue to have a great week and continue to stay safe out there and to just always be your best self and always, you know, show up in the world courageously and be the light because there's so much darkness going on. Just remember to be the light. So thank you again for listening to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And until next time, bye y'all.